This is Taylor Talk, the number one Taylor Swift podcast brought to you by taylortalk.org. What up, what up, Swifties? You know what never goes out of style? This podcast, Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. My name is Adam. I'm Diane. I'm Sammy. And I'm Steve. And welcome, everybody, to episode 170 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. If you guys want a quick laugh, I have a joke we can open it up with. Oh, boy. All righty. Sophie emailed this one in. So if you don't like it, it's not for me. Oh, good. It's not an Adam joke. People love Adam's jokes, Sammy. The surveys are in. The surveys say Adam jokes. Just throwing that out there. Anyway, so, all right, here it goes. So a nurse uh, walks into the room and, and says to a patient, did you have any concerns about your surgery? The patient says, yes, actually. During the surgery, the doctor continuously used a certain four-letter word. Dun, dun, dun. The nurse says, wow, I'm really sorry to hear that. What word was it? The patient says, oops. <laughs> that is not a good four-letter word if you're in a hospital setting there's really not a good four-letter word that could be used there <laughs> i thought it was funny thank you sophie for sharing that with us um quick follow-up actually uh roger emailed us about our wonderland conversation that we had a couple episodes ago couple weeks ago whenever it was and actually pointed out something to be kind of food for thought here that uh i I don't think we ever mentioned and didn't really even think of but did you guys know that harry styles i don't know if he was born here but lived in in a town called holmes chapel in cheshire Cheshire, England. england yeah i told you that when before we recorded adam but you forgot no, you didn't. Yes, I did. I was reading. No, you did not. You did not say that. <laughs> Whatever. No, you never said that because we didn't even talk about that line in that episode. I know, and we, we didn't. should have. Okay, Steve and Sammy, did you guys know that? I did not um, know that, but I, I I'm that glad that they shared there, that. With us. That's but I great. knew that there was a town, and it, I I think that it's related to the author of Alice in Wonderland. I think he like lived there or something, or got some kind of inspiration from it. Well, I was more thinking of the line in, in yeah, Wonderland, well, Cheshire Cat Smile. Um, anyway, so that that was that. Just food for thought there. Uh, did did you guys? Did anybody send you any stump the host questions? See if you can stump any of us. I got one. You got one. I got one. Okay. Uh, this one is from Zandy, and she asks, "How much older is?" Oh, sorry. This is for Adam. Um. How much older is Taylor Swift than her brother Austin? Two and a half years? Yeah. How'd you know that? I had to think about it for a sec because Taylor's 25 and Austin's 22, but Taylor is only barely 25, so therefore she's not fully three years older. And he's almost 23. Ha ha! Success! You did not stump me! Ha ha ha! All right, I got a question for you guys. I don't, I don't know if this was targeted at anybody, but uh, Hannah emailed this one in, and she's asking you guys, do any of you know which songs of Taylor's did Paul Buckmaster arrange a musical part for her on? Who's Paul Buckmaster? He is a um, arranger person. He arranges. I, I don't, he I don't arranges know the, music? I don't know the musical term. And conductor. What's his uh, last name? No, you're going to Google it. No, I just want to know how to spell it. Buckmaster. So you can Google it. <laughs> like Buck and Master. Just as one word. I have no idea. I am stumped. Diane, are you stumped? I don't know. Sammy, you stumped without Google? Uh, 
I'm stumped without Google unless you wait a second. Well, no Googling. Oh, I know him! <laughs> that, 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 that. The correct answer is haunted, and then he also did work on Back to December. Okay, that makes sense because she had string instruments in those songs, right? Yeah. And and something kind of cool with this guy, he's worked with like Elton John, he's worked with some big names. He's worked so. with a lot of That's people. That's really cool. Yeah, one of those cool big behind-the-scenes people. So, uh, nice work, Hannah. You, or was it? Did I say it was Hannah that sent it? Yeah. Yes. You stumped them. Excellent, Yay. excellent, excellent. So, carrying on with the episode, Sammy, what has been going on in the Taylor Swift news lately? Um, so, the BBC Radio 1 announced its big weekend festival, and Taylor Swift is the first confirmed artist. Taylor said, everyone talks about the festivals in England being the best ones that you can go to i feel like i've been missing out i'm really excited the big weekend music festival will take place in norwich england on may 23rd and 24th and to my knowledge taylor is on sunday which would be the 24th i think um and also this week taylor took a well-deserved vacation to maui hawaii with her friends Haim, and you can see pictures from her trip on instagram Yes, whale. Yes. They went <laughs> yes, whale, whale watching that and actually... successfully made me feel terrible about my body self-image. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I got I got to stump the host kind of deal. Oh, Steve's got one. Oh, yeah. right. You you guys saw the Instagram post from Taylor, right? Correct. Yeah. With the with the whale. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you notice there was a song that was being played during the very end of that clip? No. No, I didn't. What? I just I noticed that it, it was a 13-second-long yeah. video. Okay. So anyways, <laughs> I, get, I guess you're already stumped before I even asked the question, but my question was what going to be— What song was playing, right? Well, I was going to go with what band is it, number one, and number two, what song it was. Is it a recognizable one, or is it Absolutely. one that— Absolutely. Actually, it's one of my all-time favorite songs, too, which is one of those things that was like, really? That's what is great. It? it was the Beach Boys. Oh, what song? Which makes sense. They're they're on a you know a trip yeah, there down in Hawaii. Who's better to listen to than the Beach Boys? And it's one of my remember? favorite Beach Boys songs, which is "Don't Worry, Baby." Hmm. I don't know. Oh, if I, know. I know that one. Yes. I, did you also know that years ago Taylor said in an interview she wants to walk down the aisle to a Beach Boys song? Yes. And well, did you I, know I, which song was that? Wouldn't it be uh, nice? A couple years ago, when they did. Um, uh, Secret Santa's. Uh, she got a Beach Boys album. Hmm. Uh, and a lot of her Beach Boys love, actually, I think, comes from her dad, who was a huge Beach Boys fan growing up. Yeah. And she covered them during Speak Now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, she also said years ago in a Rolling Stone interview, I want to say it was that they are. She considers them an insp- among her inspirations. Not necessarily a primary one, because judging by her music, she doesn't really sound like them. But they are one of them. So it counts for something, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for catching that, Steve, and sharing it with us. Got to go back and watch the video again. We'll throw that in the show notes, too, there. If anybody wants to watch the actual Beach Boys. Yes, give Diane some work to do. (laughs) (laughs) Visit the show notes at taylortalk.org slash episode 170. Diane works really hard on them and, like, two people read them. And, and there's a lot of good tell you stuff who those in there. Two people are. <laughs> <laughs> One is me because I have to edit it. <laughs> All right. On to the main discussion for the for the episode. We're here to talk about style, which is has it officially been announced as single? I know it doesn't officially Everywhere release as a single yet. It. 
It, uh, Billboard reported that it was being released as a single on February 10th. A lot of radio stations are already playing yeah, it. Yeah, I've already heard it, I think, three times on the radio. Yeah, I've heard it radio. several times in the past week. So it's officially, unofficially released as a single. Yeah, <laughs> um, basically. I would like to tell you it'll be out on February 10th, but people are hearing it on the radio stations all across the nation right now. I haven't yet heard of anybody internationally hearing it, but that doesn't mean it hasn't been played yet. I just haven't heard anything. Have you guys? No. I haven't heard anything, no. No? No That doesn't release. mean it hasn't happened, like we just said, but I haven't yeah. been told anything. <laughs> haven't heard about it. So, I mean, we got our first sneak peek of style before it even came out in the Target Deluxe Edition commercial. I, I, it was love at first sight for me. Me too. <laughs> I was like, this is a really catchy song. I hope this is what the rest of the um, album sounds like. Right, it was good. That was the that was the first impression. Was I hope this is the rest of the album. So mm-hmm. let mm-hmm. let's get talking about the song itself. You know, Taylor said that um, the way the song sounds and feels. That's all I need people to know about the story. So, what story is she referring to, and does that sound and feel match up in your mind? Well, I think the story she was referring to. She was on air with uh, Ryan Seacrest uh, shortly after the um, a- the um, album came out, and they were. Um, talking about the song and he kind of tried to get her to tell him like who is the song about but she didn't want to go there at all so it seems like what she wants to talk about more is the message behind the song rather than the person behind the song and how the song uh relates to the way she felt when this was um happening in her life right which the story more or less is about a feeling that never goes out of style. She sort of makes a correlation between styles that maintain versus feelings and relationship instances that sort of yeah, also the, 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 continue forever. Yeah, that just uh, stay constant. They never go out of style. So does the song, in fact, sound and feel like the story? The the song is the way the song sounds is actually kind of interesting because it almost feels like it's two separate songs when you're listening to it. Whereas like the verse, it, the verse part is like really slow and has a lot of like you know like beat in it, and then um, like the chorus part is really like upbeat and light and airy. It's actually really interesting. But I think that the the way that she did that, it is kind of a a way for her to tell the story and that you know in the the darker parts of the song they're talking about like what's happening at that time talking about how um uh like you know what happened in their relationship and you know that it wasn't all good and that you know they each went through things they each felt different things and then you know at the same time it's this there was good stuff about the relationship and it that part will always remain constant does that make sense yeah i can see that steve are you feeling this song i i actually when i listened to the album the first time the whole way through and even when we heard that little bit of target uh commercial there but when i listened to the album the whole way through i was like this is going to be a hit i really really like this song Mm -hmm. so i'd be happy to see this as a single um, it's one of those songs that I kind of really enjoy. And I think part of that, and Taylor actually mentioned it in the interview that she had with Ryan Seacrest, is 
it's one of the few songs on the album that is a great kind of walking track, if you will. <laughs> she said that and Welcome to New York. You can walk yeah. to the beat. Or strut. Actually, I think she said strut. Which strut. She did better. say strut. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and then Bad Blood, she said, was kind of one that you would run to. So, you know, and, and I can always feel that that's a good song. You know, a lot of times if I'm just going out at lunchtime, walking around, style is a perfect song for me to play. And it never goes out of style for me. Nice. <laughs> Clever, Steve. Nice pun. Nice pun yes. there, buddy. Um, there was something I was going to say to your point, and now you distracted me with that, with the with the Taylor pun you had there. Uh, shoot, what was it? Well, well here's another try. another little tidbit. Is um, she mentioned in the interview about that? I believe it was the last song that she recorded for the album. She yeah, said she, that and shake it off. Yeah, yeah, those said, were the last two. She said in the in the Ryan Seacrest album, album uh, interview that. She felt like the album was incomplete without this song, which I, and which I, would I think agree. is, yeah, I think I would agree too. It's interesting because when I first heard the song on the Target commercial, I really, really liked it, and I just I liked the beat to it. I liked the the visuals of the song with the you know, um, the red lips and the the slick back hair and all of that stuff. Um, and then when I heard it on the album the verse part is so different that I almost was turned off by it for a minute. And by minute, I mean like, I don't know, three or four time go around listening to the album. Um, Just because it was so different from the way that it was portrayed in the target commercial. But with that said, it's kind of, you know, this goes back to it being a really good single is that it tells a really interesting story and it's done in a really interesting way. So what, turned me off originally to the song is actually what makes me like it now <laughs> true story and it's complex sammy but that's interesting. it is it is it is that's interesting <laughs> <I would> also... <laughs> yeah that's interesting now steve speaking to your point though um uh, of how she felt it would be incomplete without this song like i, I want to go off of that and kind of jump ahead into its placement on the album because it is uh fairly early in the album so it's like interesting to me that when we go off the idea that the entire album is one has one overarching story to it, that the last piece of it would be towards the beginning. Mm-hmm. Or last two pieces, if you include Shake It Off, are both well, in the middle. So like, do you think like when Taylor was writing the album, like she saw a hole? I almost feel like she came up with the story concept for the album after she already had all of the songs and and she knew which song she wanted to work with to create the album. So what do you so you're I think what? I mean not necessarily as to why she thought that there was a hole but I think that she created the story of the album um after she already had um, all of the songs done, and then she put them in that order. So I think maybe the whole that she was talking about was not necessarily subject-wise, but maybe like a sound. Like she wanted another yeah, I upbeat song or something like that. Okay. I think I think she probably knew that she wanted some kind of story to be told, whether it was a story of one relationship and it's, you know, ups and downs or whatever. But she want she knew that she wanted to tell that story in terms of sound, but not necessarily 
I want this song to tell this story. And so she like had this visualization of the sound in her head. And it wasn't until she wrote style was she able to like piece it all together. Because just because it was the last song that she wrote on the album doesn't you know, like I mean it like that. I don't know how to I don't know how to word it, but it, you know, like it, it obviously is not the last song on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not like, clean. It, exactly, it's not clean. <laughs> um, and so it was kind of one of those things that it was like sound wise, she knew that something was missing in order to tell the story that she wanted to tell with this particular sound that the album represents. Okay, so then in that case, let's look to the story to see what we pull out of that, shall we? Okay. So first verse, are there any lines in the first verse that jump out at you? Because it opens with, you know, midnight, you come and pick me up, no headlights. I think that's just setting a scene. I don't know if that's... It sounds very mysterious, right? Right. Why would someone yeah, be but driving I, like, with I no mean, this headlights? Is kind of, this is kind of what I was <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of what I was talking about before about how like the verse parts are telling the story and the chorus is reminiscing on what it was like before the story. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes complete sense. Um, so what else is in that verse then that we have? Could end up in burning flames or paradise. I feel like that is a recurring theme. Paradise? No, no, no. End up in burning flames or paradise. It can end up great or it can end up... There's really no um, in-between for that, is there? It's like it can either be awesome or terrible. So so let me get this right. So pretty much they come to pick her up with no headlights. And it's like, well, we're either going to make it to our destination or we're going to crash and burn. Is that pretty much what I I'm getting out of this? I don't think she means like physically we're going to die in this automobile. But I think she meant more like this night could end emotionally in flames or paradise. Well, I I see what Steve's saying though, because she's using it in in the sense of a metaphor because a car crash would end up in burning flames or paradise would be the end Mm -hmm. location. Which would be the whole headlights piece of it too. Then if, you know, to me, I think the whole thing is a metaphor and, you know, the second grouping of the lines is what makes that first set, even though it seems like, Oh, they were driving in with no headlights. That was actually, I, th- I think kind of that it's secret, I think, is really what it's secret getting down too, to. But also, um, if you can't see when you're driving, you don't know where, where you're, you're going, ahead. which is that is know deep. Ooh, that that is relationship nice is going. Diane. Yeah. Well, wow. Steve helped me, me with that a little bit. <laughs> Credit to Steve and Diane on that one. That's a good one. Wow. So basically what you guys are saying is it's a metaphor for the relationship. It, they don't know where it's going, so they don't know if it's going to end up succeeding or crashing in flames but it's going to be a long drive and i think even more than that it's it's about you know the relationship as a whole about whether it can you know end in paradise or end in burning flames but then she goes to fade into view so she's also talking about just that particular conversation because it can either you know end up in this big blowout and they you know end up in exactly the same place that they're in now or they like patch everything up do you know what i mean well, you know, Sammy, since you mentioned that line, how does that fit in with the verse? Um, I actually um, have a thought. So we talked about before um, how they're driving in a car with no um, headlights so they so they can't see where they're going. Right. The phrase mm-hmm. fade into view, it's not very clear. 
so fade it's like it's slowly coming into view but it's not like oh i clearly see him you know well that could be because he's driving with no headlights on how are you supposed to see him (laughs) well yes (laughs) but also that kind of has um that kind of um has to do with the song as a whole because she's not quite sure if this guy is um coming back for good or he's just kind of coming back to say hi you know because this um relationship that they have in the song they kind of go back and forth right so fade into view isn't super clear but she sees that he's coming back but you don't know if he could fade out of view soon it could also be like you know if like the the memories of all the good stuff which is in the chorus like fades into view like you're driving in the dark and you don't know what's happening and then all of a sudden all this these memories come flooding back to you and they're fade into your view I have I have like an actual physical thing. Think of like a picture, like a Polaroid developing. Ooh, a Polaroid. <laughs> <laughs> the picture fades into view. Originally, it is all just the brownish gray color, and then all of a sudden, it's clear and clear and clear. That's awesome. So, using a Polaroid as a visual. Well, why don't we complete that line too, or at least as it goes in the song? You know, fade into view. Oh, it's been a while since I have even heard from you. I feel like that just that line its function is to just kind of set the scene and um tell us that she hasn't talked to this guy in a long time. So you don't think that necessarily goes with the whole midnight you come and pick me up part. No. Not necessarily it it's it's just kind of lets us know where the story is at this point. I don't think it has to do with a metaphor or anything like that. Okay, perhaps it's just a transition yeah. to the next part. Which is, you know, I should just tell you to leave because I know exactly where it leads, but I watch us go round and round each time. So I guess he's... I I think that that goes back to the fade into view part about how, you know, she knows what's coming because she's seen it happen a million times. But at the same time, not only does she know the bad stuff that's coming, she also knows the good stuff that's coming. Yeah. But she also kind of feels like he should leave. Like, that's her first gut instinct. Like, you should just leave because I know this is just going to end in heartbreak. Yes. For both of us. Mm -hmm. So gut feeling, she just sort of knows. She's like, I should tell you to leave. But it's like my mind says one thing, my heart says another. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Because he looks like James Dean. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, who wouldn't want a a guy like James Dean to drive up with no headlights on? I would say yes to this. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the no headlights. Maybe one headlight. No, they're no because then it tricks broken. you. It, it tricks you into thinking it's a motorcycle. I can't stand when that happens. <laughs> so, uh, James Dean, you got that James Dean daydream look in your eye. Uh, very interesting visual descriptor. It's it's interesting to me that she uses like James Dean specifically rather than so you know some just... guy from the nineteen eighties, um, but she used a guy from the nineteen fifties. No, Wait, I think what? it's interesting because James Dean isn't from the um, the um, '80s um, era that she's trying to go with. Well, I don't think that's relevant. Okay, because I, I mean, she's no, not I describing think... a look from the '80s. I she's think just the... sorry. Go ahead. I I think she's just describing you know the James Dean look is a classic look. I mean, they still use his picture and such in commercials today. It's just because of how. He, dressed he never goes everything. out of style. Yeah, he never yeah. goes I out of style. Classic bad boy. I think the thing with James Dean is that, like, 
you know, you don't have to necessarily know who he is to know that kind of image. Like it kind of like like it would kind of like her being like, you know, Danny from Greece kind of thing. Like it's it would have the same effect. It just sounds better. <laughs> I, I think the female the female version of this would be referencing Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe in a yeah. Well, Sammy, speaking of Danny from Greece, are you saying it wouldn't fit being like you've got that John Travolta daydream <laughs> look that you wouldn't got work that as Danny well? Zuko daydream look Danny that. Zuko. <laughs> Danny Zuko isn't as like sexy of a name. No, James Dean just sounds better. And even yeah. if you don't know who he is, like you kind of you get that visualization from I don't know. You exactly. Just... And carrying on with it, you've got the red lip classic thing that you like. And to your point, Diane, they're both like 50 sort of images in my mind. Well, yeah, because uh, I guess for her, like the 1950s was a very classic time. So I think that's why she's um, pulling from that era. And I mean, that that fits this, the theme of the song. I was going to say the style of the song, but it... Yeah. Um, because those are kind of images. I mean, they're iconic images, the red lip, the James Dean, the, you know, Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe kind of look. And those are kind of looks that don't go out of style. You know, they're always going to be hip and they're always going to be, you know, they, they just don't go out of style. So it, Well, it, Sammy, it, when they go it, crashing down, they just come back every time. Exactly. The styles just keep coming back. Yeah, well, styles they, do. They styles are secular. They, are cir- circular. Yeah. they go in a cycle. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when I was little, I wore bell bottoms and my mother wore them in the 60s. Like, you know, they kind of, they, style does that. And so do relationships, clearly. (laughs) Sammy wore bell bottoms. Shut up! I was nine! (laughs) That was cool in 1999! I don't remember. You were like... (laughs) We'll just take Sammy's word for it. So... Shut up! So here's a question about the chorus. Uh, you know, Taylor said that the theme of the song is the fact that feelings, uh, there are certain feelings and things that don't go out of style. So using actual like fashion style as a visual representation of those feelings that don't go out of style, like it, does that work? Do they work together? Yes. I think it works. I think it's a very new concept, which is cool, but I don't think it's weird. Like, I think it's something that we can um, hear and um, embrace. Well, what sort of feelings do do these visuals elicit in you? Kind of like a nostalgia for a place I've never been. <laughs> nostalgia? <laughs> See, I don't get nostalgia. I get more like... I get more like the feeling of like how cool you are. That, like, yeah, that too. You know, like, we're so cool. Look at us. I don't even think it's about that, though. I just think... I mean... I think it's it's very much about how, you know, we as a item don't go out of style because every time we're together, just things seem to work, even though we know that ultimately they're not going to work. And, you know, clothes are kind of like that in in regards to, you know, simple clothes, things like little black dresses and, you know, good suits and things like that. They're things that, you know, never go out of style that, that they're always going to be relevant and you know a relationship is no matter how much bad stuff there was there's always going to be good stuff that was always relevant and important in your relationship and the, mm-hmm. you know the the comparisons to that and clothes makes a lot of sense okay like steve what, what type of feelings do, do those visuals elicit in you uh, i'm i'm definitely getting things that are classic uh 
classic cars, for instance, you know, when I'm saying this, I can see a 1950s, like mid fifties, uh, Corvette convertible. Oh, I see like the blue, the light blue, powder blue convertible. That would be good. Yeah. And and, you know, part of that is even to this day, people still, they see a car like that go by your eyes are drawn right towards that. You know, it's not that, oh, look at that. That's a, you know, 60-year-old car. It's old. No, it's like, that's stylish. That's classic. I'm really fascinated by all all of your feelings on this song because it's like we all have different feelings that that visual pulls out of us. Right, right. It all makes us feel a little bit different, and that's always something that's so unique about Taylor's music is the fact that it has the ability to do that and different visuals. And I wonder if that's her intent when writing it even. I think it must have been because there there are so many things that you can pull out of the song. I mean, you can, you know, pull out the concept of, you know, a couple look so good together that they're like, you know, they look like models walking down a runway. And like when, you know, you know, so that they as an image never goes out of style kind of thing or you can, you know, like all the other things that we talked about, like in this kind of song that it's it's a very simple song. But it has so much description in it that you can, you know, kind of make it fit your image of what you consider, quote unquote, style and, you know, this kind of style that keeps repeating itself or the concept of something that keeps repeating itself in a good way. Well, then the next verse, though, Sammy, continues on with some of those visuals. You got that long hair slick back white t-shirt and i got that good girl faith and a tight little skirt i love that line and i know diane has been dying to talk about this (laughs) here is the million dollar question of the day what is good girl faith i asked that um on our twitter today and we got a lot of different responses but uh one of the things that i thought was really noteworthy this person is at of the popes and they say that they think it means being um, innocent and not knowing what you're what you're getting yourself into and just going for it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. that could be it? That's a really clever description. It's, it's like a, you're a good person and you could be getting in with a bad boy, but you don't necessarily know. You just kind of have the yes. faith that it'll yeah, work out. That's that's kind of what I think it is too. Like she yeah, just I would hopes agree that this that. guy will be good to her, which is because, interesting because at the beginning of the song, she's like, I should just tell him to leave. But I, I think that that's kind of how this song works is that, you know, she, in the beginning of the song, she's kind of, I don't know, I still feel like, I feel like the chorus is like a look back on the relationship. So like she, she knows where it's going to lead and she knows that this, you know, cycle of the James Dean daydream looking your eyes and the good girl faith in the tight little skirt, like that cycle is going to keep happening. But it's kind of like in the chorus, that's, you know, the good girl faith in a tight little skirt is like who she was when she first met this, this guy. So like she doesn't actually know at that point in the song that it, it could end up, you know, burning and crashing and being really bad. Okay. So you think at the point where she says good girl face, she doesn't know that. Yeah. It it's kind of like, it's kind of like a circle in that, you know, the chorus part is like the beginning of the relationship and it was all happy. And, you know, but at the same time at the end, at the end, it like cycles back because it's like, well, it could just explode like it did at the end of the relationship or, you know, we'll never go out of style and it just keeps going around and around in a circle. Yeah, I would say the um, the um, the um, chorus is like a small um, 
a small glimpse into the good times in their relationship. Like, yeah, I would agree you with a that. Picture of like how it's perfect. Well, if I remember correctly, earlier, Sammy, you said that you believed that the chorus was separate from the verses in terms of the story. It sort of yeah. showed different points in the relationship, something to that effect. Yeah, because it's to me, it's kind of like the the verses. I mean, obviously, they sound different, which I think we said. Um, but you know it's also it's kind of talking about how um like that part is what's happening at the moment whereas the chorus is either looking back at what it was like or looking forward to what it could be like at the same time because it's a circle (laughs) right now steve the real question here is do you have your good girl faith or a tight little (laughs) skirt good boy faith uh uh (laughs) No, I, I do not have Good that. Good boy faith. That's the thing. Well, I think this is one of the most interesting lines in the song because it really is sort of ambiguous and, and it's not very clear what that means, good girl faith. And I honestly don't know what to think of it. it it's tough because that interpretation we got off of Twitter was in fact a good one and it's deeper than I would have taken it as. I just no. always saw it as her just being a good girl. But what does that have to do Yo, with the next line then, the tight little skirt? Hold because, on, because what does a good girl mean to you? What, is, what does that phrase mean? I don't know. It's hard to describe like what the, you know, just a nice person and someone that is well behaved and she say, doesn't defy her mom and dad. I would say trusting might be a good Yeah, I think the good girl faith is, you know, she has faith in him and has faith in, you know, all people that all of them are good. And then the tight little skirt part comes in is that it's like, you know, you can still be a good good girl and still, you know, have believe that everybody is a good person, but you can kind of still have a little quote unquote dark, edgy side in your tight little skirt. You can still have fun, yeah. I mean you're wearing red lipstick for crying out loud. I you, guess you that's what I picture. <laughs> I think I just realized what I picture a good girl as. The one that appears good on the surface but has like a bad girl streak in her. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the good girl is. She's got that's a bad. That's not a good girl. That's, that's a bad girl. No. Yes. No, it's a good girl with a bad streak. Okay, but it doesn't Maybe we say that. It doesn't say I'm, I've got that good girl bad streak thing. Oh, she sure as heck says a tight little skirt. That implies like sexy bad girl. Oh, God. Yeah. But can we go to the next part of this? Well, well the, the next part goes back to, and when we go crashing down, we go come back every time because we never go out of style. And crashing down and we come back every time. Does anybody, while I'm thinking about it, think that that goes along with the recurring theme that we were talking about? Presumably it's about the relationship that ended, then had a break, then they got back together. Do you think I, that is a reference to that? I, I think so. I would think so thinking about it in terms of that this was written towards the end of the whole album. Um, But if you think about it in terms of its placement on the album, it kind of seems like it would be like in between the first breakup and the second breakup, even though it's like really early on in the album, because it's kind of like he's coming to her and being like, I want, you know, to try and make this work again. And she's sitting there debating this because even though she knows it's going to go crashing down, they bounce back every time because of them never going out of style. Because the idea of them, the concept of them is never going to go out of style. 
Perhaps. Um, let's let's keep going with the lyrics though, because there's some really juicy stuff coming this up. Get sexy, guys. Get, get coming up <laughs> in this song. <laughs> All right, so it goes. He can't keep his wild eyes on the road. So where is he looking? Takes me home. <laughs> lights are off. He's taking off his off his coat. Off his coat. Yeah. Oh, that's not what I heard. That's not what I heard the first time either. <laughs> that's not what I heard the first time either. <laughs> that's still not what I sing when I'm in my car. Me neither. <laughs> What do you sing in your car, Diane? Another C word. Another, another C word? O's and cookies. Clothes. He's taking off his cookies? No. His, cook- his clothes. Take it off his clothes. Diane, get your mind out of the gutter, you nasty. <laughs> That's what I thought. Y'all are dirty. Where's your good girl faith? It's in my tight little it's skirt. skirt. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, this is a G-rated show we run here. I... This is G-rated. We never said anything bad. All right, so he's taking off his coat. <laughs> I say, here's where the juicy stuff comes up. Um, so I heard, oh, that you've been out and about with some other girl, some other girl. He says, what you've heard is true, but I can't stop and can't. <laughs> I'm trying to like read it in a radio voice. It's not working. Can't stop thinking about you. And I said, I've been there too a few times. I think this is one of my favorite parts of the song because, well, not because, but Taylor said in the interview with Ryan that it's not like anything she's ever done on a previous album in terms of on other albums, it was always, you did something wrong, you're the bad guy, and, you know, this is is what you did. Whereas in this song, and on a lot of, the songs on 1989 but in this song particularly she is not necessarily taking the blame but she is saying to him oh I don't blame you for doing that because I've done it too I think she more points out that love is very complex and there's there there can be no right and wrong sometimes so people you know they they just do stuff and and this is kind of what we touched on last week because when we were talking about all you had to do was stay, it was kind of that. All you same had to do was what, Steve? I'm sorry. All you had to do was stay. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. What was that last word? Stay. <laughs> oh, Diane covered it for you. Right, you. I'm sorry, Steve. Continue. Yeah, your thought. it sounds much better when you say it that way. Um, but that was one of the things we covered last week, where we kind of talked about. It seems like she's kind of grown up with with how she understands relationships now. And it's not so much cut and dry of who's at fault and everything that you did was wrong. Everything I did was right. So this falls right in line with that. Well, Steve, as we've discussed, 1989 as a whole was like her rebirth. Mm -hmm. It was like a renewed Taylor. It's a new mindset, a new level of maturity. It's a new person. And that is, in fact, a really important line to show that. I think that this line is also really interesting because you can listen to it a few different ways. You can listen to it in terms of she's understanding and and not necessarily agreeing, but understanding that, you know, he's been out and about with some other girls. And, you know, she's saying I've been there, too, meaning she's been out and about with some other guys. Are you or, sure she hasn't been out and about with some other girls, too? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Or it could be going to ignore you. Um or and then or you know, when he says what you've heard is true but I can't stop thinking about you and I then she goes on to say I've been there too a few times she could also be meaning I can't I've been thinking about you and I 
too many too a lot of times even what? though I, the I see what you're saying you're grouping you and i together it's an interesting phrasing there can't stop thinking about you and i um i said i've been there too a few times so i think she is referring to the fact that she can't stop thinking about the two of them together me what? too but that's based on what, what taylor said to ryan that's not what she said what how i see it is that in the past taylor has been with a new person but while she was with that person she had thoughts about the old yes. person like she wasn't quite um over someone yet before she started seeing someone new yeah i think that's, that's like that's, that's what, what that's what like she, she said to ryan and that's what that's what she implied to ryan although you could also look at it that you know she can't stop thinking about him and that's what she's been there a few times about but yeah okay no i think what she's been there too is going out with somebody else and um, thinking about him. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're all agreeing with that. We're just saying that the other possibility is that, you know, the the way that it's grouped together is that it sounds like she's saying, I've been there too a few times thinking about you and I. Hmm. 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 Thinking cap on. (laughs) I just threw a wrench in your plan. No, I'm going to stick with my feeling on can't stop thinking about you and I as a collective. I just, there's something about that that I like better. I just feel like that's right. That she's been there too. I don't think that's grammatically correct. Why? You can't. But I can't stop thinking about you and I? No. Or would it be me and you? Okay. Let's say we took out the word you I can't stop thinking about myself, me. I can't stop thinking about I. <laughs> yeah. So what he would have said if it was correct, I can't stop thinking about you and me. That's what would be correct. So, and but I. But that doesn't rhyme. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's why that sounds better. I don't think, I don't think the meanings changed. I think it just sounds better saying you and I. I think when she means and I, I said it's like. She's oh, it's like I, I said? Yeah, it's I, I said. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay, well, you know, from that point, it does just finish with the chorus again. A uh, little interjected with take me home. What, it, what What's that about? Take me home. When it they're seems driving like the- she gives up and she's like, just kidding, I actually want to be with you again. Like, See, I kind of get a different feeling from that. I get a feeling that she's like, no, take me home because, like, you know, we never go out of style, but I know how this ends, and I don't want to do it no more. I'm surprised with Diane's mind in the gutter. She wasn't thinking about, you know, take me home. That is what I just said. That is she what she said. <laughs> no, I thought you meant she no. gives up in the sense, like, she gives up, like, let's be in a relationship again. No. That is what I meant in the G version. Yeah, but... in, the G version, <laughs> in the G version, what I meant is exactly what I said. <laughs> Alrighty then. Well, that's that for the lyrics. <laughs> um, all right. So will this song appear on tour? I think yes. the answer to that is yeah. yes, of course, especially now that it's going to be a single. So I think what... this is going to be like the um, the I Knew You Were Trouble of the 1989 tour. It'll be like smack in the middle. Smack It'll be in like, the middle? Yeah. It's like that transition song of like, I don't know. I'm thinking placement. I don't know why that's important, but that's how I visualize songs. I don't necessarily 
know where I see it placed it, but I kind of see this song performed in a very like old style with like an um, old car and um, some guy wearing a um, leather I, jacket. Just a very like classic oldish 1950s. I think that's a better idea for a music video than the stage yeah. performance. I can see a really big because I don't. Number. I don't see how she would get a car and things on stage. I mean, it's Everybody doable. Everybody does that. No, it's yeah, doable, car. but I, I just Bryant think it would look up cheesy. With a car on fire. She can have a car on stage. I'm just saying. I, don't think, I think it would look cheesy. I think it would look cheesy to bring a car out on stage, just the way it would have to be done. I think that idea, that concept, is much better for a music video, which I guess we'll probably see a music video. Um, in coming weeks. What if she was filming the music video in Hawaii? No, she wasn't. She was With Haim. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the backup singers are now Haim. <laughs> exactly. The backup singers have been replaced. No, that would be sad. Steve would like that. No, well, I'd li- no, I'd like to see her maybe do a song with Haim on, on tour, which, I mean, continues to seem pretty highly likely how much they've been hanging out. But... I kind of feel, well, whatever, that's a different conversation. Yes. <laughs> no, I see what you're saying, though, Steve. So, does anybody have any creative ideas of how they would picture this music video? Um, I kind of see it in the style of how like the Target commercial was, in terms of like you know, just I don't know. I kind of get like not like a 22 feeling, but like a feeling of her like hanging out with her friends, like trying on different clothes and like having a conversation with them about this situation. I don't know, Sammy. I don't know. Actually, it's funny she brings up 22 because this song gives me the same visual visuals in my mind as 22. Very similar. Which is why, going back to what I was saying before about how I kind of visualize this being a really big dance number on tour. Yeah. Right. So, Sammy, um, if you had to rank... Oh, sorry, Steve, were you going? I, I was going to... Yeah, I, I, got, I got all sorts of thoughts. I'm, I'm skipping ahead. I'm sorry. Steve has it's, lots of thoughts. I jumped. I, it's all good. No, but um, if if I would think about how the music video would go, um, Taylor mentioned actually in that Ryan Seacrest interview about that it kind of feels like driving in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. But I would almost see that part. But as they're driving down the road, everything is like present day. And then as they drive down the road, all of a sudden, like everything changes into like 1950s style and everything else like that. That'd be so cool. Oh, that would be really cool. Steve always comes up with the best music video ideas. <laughs> That's awesome. I nominate Steve as the fan director of the next music video. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So did anybody else have final thoughts? I, I I almost jumped the gun there and cut Steve off. I just want to make sure everyone's good before moving on. No, I'm good. No. All good. All right, so Sammy, on a scale of 1 to 13, how would you rank this song? I give it a 12, and I've thought about this all week because I knew we were recording this song. Um, I give it a 12 because when I first heard the song, like I said earlier, I loved it on the Target commercial, and then when I heard it on the album, I didn't like it so much, and it took me a while to warm up to it, and now I'm like in love with it again. Um, so just for that reason that it took me a little while to warm up to it, I'm going to give it a 12. So it loses one point for the short period of time you didn't like it. Yes. All right, Steve, 1 to 13. What do you think, buddy? I loved it from the moment I heard it, and I still love it to this day. It will never go out of style. It is a 13. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. Diane, I assume you agree with Steve. I agree. I have always loved the song, and I will always love the song. 13, a wholehearted 13, huh? Yep. 
Oh, I'll give it a 13! <laughs> I give every song a 13. You're so boring. Yeah, you really are. They we all deserve 13. Like. Have complex opinions, Adam. They all deserve 13s. All right, so that's that for our style discussion. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Hope you love it. Hope you guys agree with our thoughts or disagree if you disagree, actually. That'd be more interesting. So email us if you do. Podcast at TaylorTalk.org. If you disagree with any of our opinions. Good idea? Yes. Thumbs up. But be nice if you disagree with us. Oh, my gosh. Sammy just keeps going. Um, (laughs) All right. Carrying on with the episode. We're done with style, Sammy. I'm not done. <laughs> uh, all right. You know your Swifty when slash if Swifties rule the world, all submitted by you guys. Diane, can you read the first one for us? This one comes from our good friend Sophia Kacharski, and she says, you know your Swifty when your orchestra teacher hands you safe and sound sheet music and says, don't, sh- don't say I never did anything for you. <laughs> That's so nice. Nice. Um, the next one is from Noah, it's Bella. You know you're a Swifty when you change your phone's voicemail to say, hey, it's me, leave a message, make it hot. I did that once. I, I used to have that too. <laughs> leave a message, make it hot. I did that and then I started to um, apply for jobs and I figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably change mine then, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. Okay, the next one comes from Swizzle Julie on uh, Twitter. You know you're a Swifty. When you get that look from your friends every time a Taylor song plays on the radio in the mall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. You always have to make a comment. Oh, yeah. They do. All right. Next one. Matt emailed us and said, you know you're Swifty when you ask a girl to be your girlfriend with Taylor lyrics. Oh, my God. And he continued by saying, if you are wondering, I use some lyrics from mine. He said to his now girlfriend. Uh-oh. I'd like to tell people you're the best thing that's ever been mine. So will you be my girlfriend? Oh, I'm cry. No. That's like a proposal. Awesome. And she said yes. <laughs> that's so cute. That's a keeper. Okay. This one is a voicemail. Take it away. Hey, Taylor Talk. This is Manish from India. And I would like to submit to mini segment. You know you're a Swifty when. So you know you're a Swifty when... You want to do your higher education in New York only to meet Taylor Swift. I'd have to agree. New York's a pretty uh, fabulous place to check out. There's a lot of, you know, great stuff in in New York. And, uh, hey, good for him. Yeah, Yeah, good luck with your uh, continuing education and everything. That'll be a fun experience. Can I do the next one? No, Sammy. No, let's just stop the episode. (laughs) Do you not ask for permission? You can do it. (laughs) <laughs> um, the next one is from Shades of Tay Gray oh I like that name um, you know you're a Swifty when you're reading a book and think this Taylor song would go perfect in this part oh cool hey we should I do that instead of if reading. this was a movie I don't, I don't think know you've read book enough books for this to work out I know I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay the next one comes from Annabelle via email you know you're a Swifty when there's going to be reruns of Ellen's show on TV and Taylor's going to be on it so you go your TV set in the kitchen area of your office and secretly switch the channel. Now everyone will see the awesomeness of Taylor whenever uh, they want it or they're not going to get it. Ah, sneaky, <laughs> sneaky. That's a good idea. Switching the channel in the office. Now everybody's got to watch Taylor. <laughs> That's funny. 
All right, and the last one is an email from Hannah who says, You know you're Swifty when the thing you put on to help calm you during a panic attack is an old episode of Taylor Talk because their voices about Taylor makes you happy. Oh, Hannah. I feel that like that's right, actually Hannah? Steve's voice soothing you. I think he's definitely got the so- most soothing voice. Yeah, on. he is does. It, is no, it? Yeah. Or is it the most annoying? One or the other? I'm not no, sure. Steve, Steve's no, voice is like a lullaby. He can put yeah. me to sleep. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's the, it's you do have monotone. a nice voice, though, Steve. That monotone, and that's what it does. <laughs> Alrighty. And finally, we got, well, ending that segment, moving on to What Are Swifties Listening To, where you guys suggest music for everybody to listen to. We got a voicemail from Sarah, so let's hear what Sarah has to has, uh in has yeah, to I, say what does sarah have to yeah, say yeah what is thank you <laughs> i'm losing my mind now sarah hello taylor talk it's sarah from england um i'm gonna send in a submission my submission is what swift is listening to and i'm listening to ellie golden love me like you do it's for the 50 shades of gray soundtrack you should check it out it's really really good i love this song okay bye I think we've used Ellie Goulding for this, haven't we, before? Oh, I'm sure we have. We definitely talked about her before. But this particular, s- th- this particular song is actually really good. I haven't and, heard it yet. Well, it's on the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack. Oh, here's which a question for you. Which, when does which, that which, movie come out? What? Valentine's I, I, Day. Yeah, Valentine's Day. That Who wants to go with me? That, that wasn't my question. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Not it. I'll go alone. <laughs> oh, here's here's a good one then. Speaking of our if this was a movie segment, which Taylor song would be the soundtrack of Fifty Shades? Enchanted. I don't know. I've never read it. I don't know the story. Wildest Dreams. Oh yeah, maybe Wildest Dreams. <laughs> yeah, I cracked that statement. Wildest Dreams. All right. Well, if you're interested, check out Love Me Like You Do by Ellie Goulding. Uh, thank you for the suge- for the suggestion, Sarah. Uh, before we wrap up completely, Diane, what does Taylor have coming up on her calendar so everybody can write this down and keep up with Taylor's well, career? She has the same two things that she's had on since <laughs> like two months ago. The 57th Annual Grammy Awards will air on Sunday, February 8th at 8, 7 central on CBS. Taylor is nominated as a performer yet. Yeah, she still hasn't been announced as a performer, but we are keeping our fingers crossed. Uh, Taylor is nominated for Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Pop Performance for Shake It Off. And then on February 25th, Taylor will perform at the Brit Awards 2015, where she is nominated for International Female Solo Artist. Excellent, excellent. Thank you, Diane. Hope you guys wrote those down. They will, of course, appear in the show notes at taylortalk.org slash episode 170 if you didn't have a chance to write them down. Now, uh, before we get going completely get going i should say i feel like i've been wrapping it up with every single segment (laughs) (laughs) if you're new out there and you enjoyed uh this episode thank you for tuning in and thank you for sitting through this entire hour or so however long it's been exactly uh remember you can hit that subscribe button in itunes and all the new episodes will be downloaded directly to your itunes library on your iphone ipod itunes on your computer whatever the case may be um, and we look forward to, you know, we got a lot of fun here. So we look forward to chatting with you guys each and every week. They come out every single Monday. Also, if you have had a chance to listen to multiple episodes and you like what you hear, please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. It, we'd really appreciate it. It lets us know, not just lets us know how we're doing, but it lets the entire community know what you think about the show and what your thoughts and opinions are. 
Uh, if you want to let us know directly, we do, of course, have that survey still on the website at taylortalk.org slash survey. You can fill it out for your chance to win a No It's Becky shirt. Unlike the iTunes reviews, those go to us and only us. So if you really want to rip on us, that's probably the place to do it. <laughs> Not in a public review on iTunes. That contest or giveaway rather is going on until the 30th of january so not much time left on it but in case you haven't had a chance to do it yet go for it um we've definitely been taking those reviews into account like moving the calendar to the end of the episode rather than at the beginning that was the suggestion of a listener on the survey and we liked it so we used it so go fill that out again the link is taylortalk.org slash survey if you guys want to contact us in any other way, remember the link, taylortalk.org slash contact. That has all our email addresses and social media accounts and everything else you can think of there. So taylortalk.org slash contact. Whew. I think that just about does it. You made it. We made wow. it to the end. So for episode 170 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast, this has been Adam. Diane. Sammy. And Steve. Remembering to tell you guys to never go out of style. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. See ya. This podcast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift.